What's up, everybody? I'm Steph. And I'm Mari. We are two licensed professional counselors in the state of Wisconsin, and this is the Rewriting Her Story podcast, a mindset podcast for everyone. Here we'll discuss daily issues we face ourselves, struggles our clients are having, and ways to tackle everyday life, and whatever else comes up. We take a no-bullshit approach while still being empathetic and supportive. Let's Let's fucking fucking go. go. Go, go, go. Let me know. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Yes. Episode 35. Yes, and you know how I know that? Because we had already recorded episode 36 because it's going to be one for the holidays because that shit just came to me. And I was like, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So it was one that um we I'd wanted to do. So we recorded that and then kind of strategically planned. And so now this is episode 35. I was looking at my calendar and like my planner and I'm like, is this what it's like for content creators where they just like map out what they're going to like release or record. And like, it feels good, right? It feels accomplishing and it feels, it feels nice to be ahead of the game. So I'm not like scrambling to like get things done and uploaded right away. Like I can take my time with things, which is nice. Yeah, it's very nice. And I feel very accomplished that we continue to put out content that I feel like is true to us. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also listening to some podcasts. So I hit my goal for reading my 15 books for the year, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I need to get back into podcasts. I'm so used to giving people homework that I've kind of like went away from that. And I really need to get on that. So I was listening to podcasts and I'm like, I'm overthinking this content thing. Like I really Agreed. am. Like, like people just put out the same stuff and word it differently. Yes. And, here's, and I'm not, I don't mean that as a diss or a dig. I mean that like, we need that. We need that repetition mm-hmm. and we need to continue to hear the same message and in different ways, which is the same reason why I prescribe um, homework that are podcasts and Ted talks, because yep. it re-solidifies what we've talked about in session. Mm-hmm. So I'm over here like, thinking overthinking these things and I'm like we're trying to reinvent the wheel sometimes literally sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like what are you doing Mm -hmm. people literally just get an idea and they hop on and record and they're done like they don't try to plan ahead and I mean I feel like we've done that before you know like we get an idea and we're able to record and talk about stuff but I also think that since we kind of just took over all of the behind the scenes stuff we're trying to be more strategic with things you know what I mean and trying to map things out and plan things and whether it's researching things or asking for suggestions, um, which it isn't a bad thing, but no, I agree with you. I was listening to podcasts. I listen to them every morning or try to, and I feel like a lot of them are repetitive. Yeah. Yes. It's the same message just spit out in a different way. And yep. here's the thing. I think sometimes look at me. I said, I wasn't going to say, I think in the last couple of ones, and here I am. I'm like, I think, I think, I think, um, listening to it in different ways might it hits differently on different days and it yes. didn't mean it to be like rhymy or sing-songy but it really does like some days I don't I don't want to, like I need the frank upfront in your face like stop doing some dumb shit Mari mm-hmm. and then some days I'm like you know I want to be told I'm doing a great job and I want to hug and I want people to praise me so mm-hmm. it's like well you know choose what you need mm-hmm. choose what you need 100%. so I like that so today we're talking about shame. Talking about a big one. 
It is a big one. And I, like you and I were just talking too throughout the week of like, why did we wait to record this one? We think that we have to have like all this knowledge and like do all this research when it's like, we we have so talked about shame before. And we did a whole ass masterclass on it. Yes. Yep. And then inadvertently brought it up in so many other podcasts, if not all of the other episodes that we've done. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was like, let's just dive into this shit. Cause it's been on our list for a long time. Let's get this shit going. So you know what? do you want to know why I was nervous to talk about it? Why? Cause I didn't want to get emotional. Oh, <laughs> you tried not to get emotional on the last one. You, I we got, know. We got off and you were like, oh, I almost got emotional. I was like, bitch, cry shit. No, I don't know that yes. I'm ready for that. Oh my gosh. I will ball over this. I mean, I feel now. like it's inevitable. I feel like it's going to happen. Yes, because I realistically think this is us doing therapy with each other. When people mm-hmm. are like, therapists need therapists. Yeah, I know I have one. She's my best friend. And I sit here and talk about all my with her. And she holds me the fuck accountable. And she knows when I'm not in having that day where I just need her to be like, that's tough, Mari. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You're okay. Yep. Same. Like, yes. What do you think is going to make you emotional about it? I don't know. Cause I was thinking, I was like, okay, am I going to ask Mara any questions? Or are we just going to talk and see what happens? But then I was like, okay, if she asks me, what do I hold shame about? Or do I hold shame about stuff? Like, I feel like there's a lot of things. So many. And I thought you know about that I mean? question too. And I was like, oh my gosh, if she asked me one specific thing, what the fuck am I going to think about? And I, I got it immediately because I'll start it. Okay. Let's jump in. (laughs) Are we swimming in the swampland of the soul as Brittany? The shame sea. (laughs) Swimming in the shame sea. Same seas. I hope because I don't get to choose thumbnails. Well, I think you can, but I haven't figured that out yet. So it gives you a selection of three. So I hope it chooses that one. Let me hold it for a minute. Okay, anyways. (laughs) So when I was thinking about shame, I was thinking about, okay, what is, what do I hold shame for? Like, what, what have I internalized? Because let's just start the difference off right here between shame and guilt. Absolutely. And I both listened to the Brene Brown shame TED talk because she's the goat. And shame is, well, guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. It's that internalization, whether it is accurate or not, the internalization of what is going on. So I would say that my shame, um, my big shame party, my shame gremlins come out when I think about the type of mother I was when I was going through the divorce. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I believe over the past couple episodes, I don't want to say like specifically like the past three episodes, but I feel like over the past 10, in some instances, I've brought it up. I've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I've opened up about it. And I, I think inadvertently, like not inadvertently, sub- subconsciously, that was my way of like, I'm calling attention to it. I'm sharing my story in a safe place. Mm-hmm. I I'm bringing it up because I didn't like that version of myself. And I did internalize me going through an extremely difficult time as 
I'm a bad mom. And I will say that there are moments that I'm not proud of in, in those months of divorce, right. Of just attempting to numb out and escape reality. And unfortunately, Sophia caught some of that. And by no means I've never put my daughter in a situation where, um, she was unsafe or in danger. Yeah. She could have been in potential danger or anything like that, but I would like call my mom or I would call my dad or, um, I don't think I ever asked Tara to watch her. Maybe I did, but I kind of think I shied away from asking Tara because I feel like the judgment would come. I was going to say, because she would be like, what are you doing, Mari? Right. And not that, not that she would be judgment, but she would no. be calling me on my shit. And I wasn't ready. I was, yes. I was not ready to have that conversation. Sure. Like even with you and I, I think that there, there was, I don't, I don't think I told you everything during that time because I was not ready for that, that being called to the carpet and being like, dude, mm-hmm enough, like enough is enough. You don't need to be out. You don't need to constantly be doing something. You don't need to be involved. And you also don't need to be searching for fucking, I don't want to say love, but validation or self-acceptance in other fucking people. Sure. (laughs) Take your stupid ass home. So I, I really think that that was not, I think, I know that that is what I carry shame about. And I still do. And I still feel that I am attempting to validate myself and honor myself in the sense of like, Mari, it was a very hard time mm-hmm. and you didn't do everything right. Nor are you supposed to, you're going to fuck up. And this is not the first time and it won't be the last. The, uh, the importance behind calling attention to it, Mari, is that so we don't keep repeating the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. same way you set those intentions of if I am to get into another relationship again after I got divorced I set intentions for myself I'm never going to be in a relationship where I feel the need to go through somebody's phone Mm -hmm. I'm trying if I am feeling like I need to go through somebody's phone here's the thing either I'm insta fucking cure and I need to work that shit the fuck out which means I do not and have no business being in a relationship and or we don't have open communication and there's a problem here it's not the relationship for me I'm also not going to quiet myself or make myself small. Mm-hmm. I'm, and then there was other ones, but it's the same thing going forward. Now you can acknowledge that you, that you didn't show up how you wanted to as a mom. Now you need to have non-negotiables going mm-hmm. forward. And I think that that is something that I have done. I've have so I waitress or bartend sometimes at a family restaurant that I've been there since I was 13. And I love the absolute shit out of those people. And I love working there. And I, I, it's home. It's easy. I am supported 110%. I am allowed to be me there. I just cannot and will not bend my boundaries anymore. When it is a night with Sophia, it is a night with Sophia and I will Mm -hmm. not pick up because I used to like guys my work ethic chef's kiss I am a workaholic and not in the sense of like um the only reason I overexert myself in work is if I need to be able to afford things it's not because I feel like I'm like I have to owe somebody something or do that I just like to work I like to show up and I find value in that but I can shut it off when I go home I can turn things down right one of those moments was like, I need to set this boundary of that. When I have Sophia, I'm not picking up mm-hmm. and, and I can, I can 
empathize that they need someone to cover. And I can, I can know that that struggle is there and can have uh, hold space for the emotions that they probably feel like trying to fill these spots and how frustrating that is. But I also know that I have a due diligence or, a, a um, uh, duty, duty to be there for my daughter. Like enough mm-hmm. is enough. She has, she's been put, she's been put on the back burner enough. So it is what it is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The other thing I would like to say about guilt and shame, and this is what I tell people a lot, is that guilt can be a catalyst for change, right? Mm -hmm. I did something that I need to rectify or make better, whereas shame is just a detriment. Like nothing productive comes from shame. Yes. The other thing I was going to ask you is, do you feel that your shame related to feeling like you weren't a great mom back then was all internal, or do you feel like you were shamed by other people? Shamed by my ex-husband. Yeah. But not, not anybody in my family. No, no. My mom and my dad and my sister are all very supportive of me and they love me. And when I avoid those moments with them it's because I know that they're going to hand me truth and I'm not ready for it sure um but sometimes I well not sometimes I feel like it's almost unfair to say that I feel have felt shame from him or was shamed by him I I feel like 80 percent I know that I was Mm -hmm. however I can't remember like specific examples sure so that's kind of where it gets money. That's where I feel like I, I don't want to speak out of turn or out of pocket because again, by no means I'm, I'm sharing my, I'm sharing my story. And if you wanted a better role in my story, then you should have behaved accordingly. Right. That is what I attempt to tell myself when I tell my story or my perception of things, by all means, I do not ever want this to turn into a bash your ex's party. Like that's Absolutely not, not what it is. We're too, We're too old for that. that. Like, amen. <laughs> like, no, I'm not 16. Um, uh-uh. So again, I recognize my faults in why the marriage failed and that I don't think that we were necessarily supposed to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely know that there were moments though of you could be doing more, you're not doing enough. And part of me feels like that was even before the divorce, like subliminal type things because I mean after he left the house after he was forced to leave the house I like everything all communication was cut off despite or not despite besides um phone because obviously I have to communicate about our daughter but other than that everything was cut off everything Mm -hmm. even family I blocked all his family members not that they ever did anything to me not that they they were ever awful to me that they were nothing but welcoming but like I I it had turned into that people were reporting my behavior back to him or reporting like where I was or what I was doing or who I was with. And it's none of his business. We're not together. Mm-hmm. So I can surround myself with whoever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> bing, 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 bing. do you feel <laughs> that there was ever a time in your life where you internalized shame from other people regarding anything like in particular? Give me an example. So for me, I feel a great deal of shame about my body because I was shamed from a young age because I looked like a grown ass woman when I was like 12. Right. So I was always told to cover up. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so there was a lot of shame with that. Yes. 
I would definitely say surrounding body and not in the sense of like that I was a, I, I, I mean, I did look like a grown woman, like I'm 14, I got hips and ass. So mm-hmm. like it was, was an hourglass figure. Well, I would say pear back then. Cause I, I like, yeah, pear probably, and then turned into hourglass. But, um, I was just having this conversation with clients this whole entire week, which is funny enough, but like our society of when we were growing up, like the fit or like in style body type was like what fucking five size ten zero size, size double zero and a hundred pounds soaking yep. wet. Yeah, like you don't have a thigh gap, you fat ass. What the fuck? Like mm-hmm. it was such a, an ingrained like. And then the magazines that were out there of like the beginning of like how to please your man. Mm-hmm. You know, five steps to lose belly bloat. You know, two two inner thigh exercises you need for everything. And then the fucking end of it was like embarrassing stories and a rating scale of how embarrassing it was. Are you fucking joking me? That was what you were putting out to fucking women back then, girls back then. Do you remember the not tank that they're not that were like but... one, not sleeve, but like one shoulder tank top? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was 17 years old and I was visiting my best friend in Florida and we were with her mom and I was wearing one of those. Sure. Again, I've always had boobs. When I was 17, I had a pretty significant eating disorder. So they were like a C cup, which to me is tiny, right? right. It's like normal, right. but to me, that's small. Right. I was wearing one of those and a guy like cat called me or fucking honked or something. And my best friend's mom response was, well, what do you expect when you're dressed like that? <sighs> I was 17. Okay. Like, and I just felt so like, I just wanted to like crawl into my fucking skin oh, and wanted, be like, yeah. okay, I'll yeah. just shrivel up and die. Now. Like, wh- so, I'm so sorry for having a body that I had no choice in <laughs> fucking how no it was developed. Control over. No yeah. control, no control on how it was developed. And next time I will wear a fucking card again. Yeah. Next time we're all turtleneck with a sweatshirt over it and sweatpants. <laughs> and God, like, how does that, like that tie, how does that tie back into so many fucking stereotypes? Sure. Well, what were you doing there? Why were you in the car? What it Shouldn't doesn't drinking fucking matter. Yep. Let's get that clear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't I matter. All the time. I don't care if you go to a house party or a bar naked, that does not give anybody the right to put their hands on you i don't give a fuck if you did a cartwheel naked and plopped your fucking vag in front of somebody get your goddamn life yep absolutely not i don't care i do Mm -hmm. i do not that does not give somebody the fucking audacity to violate your body in Mm -hmm. whatever way they do yep i don't care if it's a grope i don't care it's full-fledged i don't it does not there is there's no line you cross the line you've crossed all of them period. Mm-hmm. My that's parents were whole, always terrified of like 100%. My parents were always terrified of like boys in me because I looked so much older. Right. Um, I feel like I told you this story when I was in middle school, I was like sexually harassed by a teacher. No, I, I never told you that. No. What? <laughs> Yeah. Does this so, look like the face of someone who's told that? What? <laughs> Did you uh, report his in, ass now? <laughs> I was in eighth grade and he was also like a swim coach for the girls swim team at mm-hmm. one of the high schools. I wasn't on the swim team, but he taught me when I was in like third grade. And then he ended up being my science teacher. And he would do little things like write on my paper, like you're so pretty, you're beautiful, smiley face. Right. And 
I eventually told my parents, which I was terrified to do because I was like, my dad's going to fucking murder him. Right. Like, right. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want him to hate me. All the thoughts. I'm, I'm 14 years old, right? Like exactly. what am I supposed to think? I'm a, Ex- I'm a baby. Ex- exactly. I'm There's a baby. no forward thought process, right? <laughs> it is just like, it's my fault. Yes. <laughs> he had our entire class watch this video that he had to watch as a teacher on sexual harassment. He showed it to our class and then literally said to the class in front of everybody. So if I were to say, Stephanie, your sweatshirt is beautiful. That's not sexual harassment. If I were to say, Stephanie, I like how it lays on your breast line. That is sexual harassment. And I'm like this. Are you motherfucking kidding me? No. So then I was like, okay, now I have to tell my parents. Like there's conferences. I have to tell my parents. I was walking down the hall and he grabbed me. Like he touched my shoulder and I turned around and I said, don't touch me. And then I got into class and he said, I want you to get on your knees and tell me you're sorry. I said, no, I won't. So then I told my parents and they went to conferences and my dad confronted him. He's like, I don't, Mr. Peroni, I don't, that's nothing like that has ever happened. I'm not sure what she's seeing or what she's thinking, but that's definitely not happening. And it was me and my best friend at the time. And she was getting the same, like you're pretty messages. She never told her parents after I told my dad, he wouldn't call on me. He wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't engage with me in class. Yeah. It was gross. It was fucking gross. And he was a teacher for a long time after that. I'm so sorry that that happened to you, Stephanie. Yeah, it was gross. It was very gross. It was a grown ass man taking advantage of, of a fucking child. Well, and you think about being younger. I always thought it was so cool when like the older boys liked you. And now I'm like, you fucking perv. Ew. Yeah, you're fucking dirty. <laughs> you're you sick gross. bitch. You're gross. <laughs> okay, Pedo. <laughs> what are you doing? But like 15 year old me was like, oh my God, he's 18. He thinks I'm so pretty. Like, I know. He's an Because adult. here's the thing. All the fucking media and things yes. that you were fed as a fucking little girl are geared towards getting people to like you, yep. fitting in. If you're pretty, everybody's going to love you. Yeah. So there's a lot of body shame for lots of reasons, right? Like looking like a grown woman when I was a kid and then for not liking my body in general or feeling Mm -hmm. like I had to hide my body for whatever reason, or like hiding sexual feelings or not talking about sexual feelings because there's shame attached to that. Right. Like so many things. And I do feel like the world is getting to a place where it's less shameful. I guess it depends on your circle and who you surround yourself Mm -hmm. with. Right. Like there's Mm -hmm. still going to be shame. For some people, but I think I finally got into a place in my life where I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to celebrate my body because I'm proud of where she's been and how she's gotten here and what she's mm-hmm. done for me. You know, like I don't have to be ashamed of the way that I look. There's no reason to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My body is so much more than what it fucking looks like to you or what you get sexual gratification from it. Yep. My body has supported me through every fucking hard day that I have had every fucking moment that I've had to climb this hill, proverbial or literal, sure. every, every journey I have taken, my body has gotten me there. I am so much more than what the appearance of it looks like. I think I feel shame for hating myself for a very long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And like talking so shitty to myself for so long or not doing things to appease other people or vice versa, like whatever. Um, I mean, I think it's gotten better, but that's definitely something that I feel like I still 
hold on to. And there's probably shame associated with like how I've treated people or how I've handled situations if it Mm -hmm. wasn't the best. But I, over the past two years, I've tried really hard to like rectify those situations much sooner than I would have 10 years ago. Cause 10 years ago, I just would have avoided it and not talked about it for a week and then acted like it didn't happen. Yeah. Cause that's like what I was used to, right? Like now I can get to the point where I will apologize, right? For my behavior, I'll own what I did because that's Mm -hmm. how you make changes. Um, So yeah. Oh my gosh, Steph. That was huge. That was deep. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of you for sharing that. I know that that probably wasn't easy at all, especially because and like props to 14 year old you who told your fucking dad, your dad's a scary man. Not that he's I was mean. terrified he's to never tell been mean. No, he's, he's just intimidating. He's just like, yes. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the eyebrows. And in it my really mind, is. I'm like, he's literally going to beat his ass when he goes to conferences. And then my dad's going to get arrested. And that's going to be my fault. Like that's right. all the thoughts. I was and like. then it's Stephanie's dad beat up the teacher. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Not what the fuck the teacher did to get beat up. <laughs> exactly. And here's the thing. If that teacher is fucking listening right now, you sick fucking pervert. You know what? Literally. Look at us now. That's right. Look at you now. That's right. Oh my God. Do you feel shame? This is kind of not a controversial question. Sure. I think it's a subjective question. Do you think that shame is more associated with women than it is men? I think it's more widely talked about with women. I don't think men disclose their feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. I think men like as, oh, so I was going to say this when we were talking, but I think that we've prefaced this before. Uh, We speak obviously from cis female perspective, right? We are cis women living in this world and have those experiences. That is not to say that there haven't been experiences the same exact way, the same, the same Avenue, um, worse than Mm -hmm. what we have gone through. I definitely think men experience shame, especially when it comes to emotions. And that is young, Mm -hmm. young. Don't cry a girl. Yeah. I am thankful that I have two nephews who are just the love of my lives. Like the, the loves of my life, they are phenomenal. And I've never heard my brother-in-law say something to the effect of like, we don't cry. We don't mm-hmm. this, we don't that. He is very much so like, Hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on? What are, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. like in, in coming to that one-on-one um, getting on their level and being like, Let, let's talk about this. Let's figure mm-hmm. this out. And I am so thankful for that. I mean, Tara's a phenomenal mom already. So I don't even have to say like, she, she's like, guys, are you okay? What's going on? Let's talk about it. Like mm-hmm. she is phenomenal at being a mother. So I am happy to be surrounded by that, but I think that is ingrained fucking immediately, mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. I made that very clear that? when Bug, I think it was, it might've been when I was even pregnant with him. I don't remember, but I made it very clear to everybody in my life of like, you will not shame him for crying or for having no. emotions. Or if he is upset about something, like we're not doing that mm-hmm. ever. That is not going to be a thing. Now, am I always the most empathetic with him if he's crying about something that in my brain I'm like are you fucking kidding me right now right I have my moments where I'm like bro yes I get that you're upset right 
I could be in those moments. I could be more empathetic, but it also depends on how I'm feeling to be quite honest. Not, but it just is what it is. It's also like, sometimes I'm not going to hold empathy and space for your paper cut that you need a bandaid for. You don't need a bandaid. I'm not doing this with you all day. When you have a pinprick of a red mark and you're like, mom, can I get a bandaid and we get home? I say for what? Do you think I need stitches? I'm like, it's not actually bleeding though. So it's not call me on stripping down your forehead. (laughs) Tell me when you walk into a branch and blood is dripping down your forehead. Literally tell me, tell me you fucking talked to two people and they haven't even talked about the blood on your forehead. And then your doctor has to point it out. Then your doctor's like, are you bleeding? (sighs) Oh my God. Yeah. It all goes back to the stigma of men and mental health though, too. Right. Yes. Like I literally have a book that's called, I don't want to talk about it. Men with depression. Right. Yes. So when I have men in session, I just, I have these, I have a couple of clients that are men that I've been seeing for literally years. And they're just like the fucking best because they're so like, dude, I tell everybody all the time to go to therapy. Like, I love talking to you. And I think everybody should have a therapist. I'm like, this is great for everybody. And I'm like, I wish more people had your attitude. Yes. Yes. But when it's ingrained in you for so long and that's how you grew up and you don't know, I don't want to say right from wrong. Right. Cause yeah. here's the thing. When your parents tell you things, the mm-hmm. last thing in your brain is like, my parents are lying. They're telling me the wrong stuff. You want to believe your parents. Right. Right. And that can be a huge detriment. It can, because guess what? Mental health was really not studied and well, it was studied, but mental health was not really like widely pushed when our parents were growing up and no, we are and- on the, the middle-aged side of 30. We are we are mid thirties. So I can only imagine what people who are 40, 45, 50, what their parents were like. Mm-hmm. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't discussed. No, it was kept within your family. You don't talk right. about it. It is and what it is. That's what shame does. Yep. It creates these shame gremlins that are like, no one's going to understand. No mm-hmm. one's going to know. No Nobody's one will ever love you, you if you tell, no one's going to listen. No one's going to believe you. Why would you even say that? It is like that anxious voice, but it is more so not giving you all of the, the things that could happen, right? Yep. Or all of the things that could go wrong. It is, it is driving home the point that you are alone. Yep. Shame grows when there is secrecy, silence, and judgment. It expands tenfold. Mm -hmm. When those three ingredients are there, it is growing. The best way to be able to come out of that shame or to break that shame up is to be able to share your story where you are with people who love you, with people who support you. You know what else I thought? not thought, but found very interesting in the Brene Brown, um, the gifts of imperfection is, is the other book that I listened to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listened to a lot of books by her, but one that I recently listened to in my one of 15 this year, shame is the birthplace of perfection. And I think reading that now, like, obviously I've listened to that before, but now us just having this conversation about your life and growing up and your body and all of that, like, let's tie it back to that perfectionism Mm -hmm. podcast that we did where you're like, do you think about that? And I'm like, no, (laughs) not a fucking clue. I don't, I could give a fuck if it's not good enough. Like, and here's the thing. So yes, I, again, typical Gemini, right? There are two sides to me. There's that one side that's like, I don't give a fuck if you don't like what I have to say, because here's the thing. I want to help you 
and you may not be ready for it and that's okay, yep. but I'm going to drop this here. And when you're ready, you can pick it up. And then there's the other part of me that's like, oh my God, what if it's not good enough? What is this? What is that? What is this? But this like other uh, alter ego can take over, right? I've sure. never named her. I feel like I should. That sure. other alter ego can take over and just be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> what does it matter if the lines aren't right? What does it matter? What does it matter if this doesn't look good? Change it. Like, mm-hmm. like it just, it shoves me into, instead of sitting in this, this spiral, this like, you know, whirlpool of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It forces me to make decisions. And so I think that that is so interesting to look at that. And if we go back to that episode, you're like, what? Yeah, no, I literally thought about that for a long time because that's that, not that that's how it was described to you, but it makes a hundred percent sense that, uh, and I, I know that it's not just this individual, right? I know that it's not, there's been many, many moments in your life that we have talked about, but like the adults that you have trusted in your life and that have failed you. And then that, that wanting to people, please wanting to be there, wanting to be more, or, and even just to be more to fly under the radar, right? Mm-hmm. Not even to be like the star of the show. Perfectionism isn't the star of the show. It's more so like, I'm going to do everything right. So I can just be under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be recognized, right? right. Like I just want to exist and think right. about it too, in the sense of if I'm being shamed for how my body looks, right. Because I look older than I am what better way to deter that than to fucking starve yourself. So then you're this big and nobody has to look at you. Yeah. Not a good choice on my part. (laughs) I don't think it was a choice, Stephanie. No, I I don't think that you woke up and you're like, you know, it would be fun today. Just to stop eating. My mom was like, when I was in high school and I had one and she like called me out on it. I was like, no, I don't. I'm fine. Like I eat. She was like, Classic. I want to be skinny like your boyfriend. And I was like, what? Oh, I'm, I think she just we, wanted to blame somebody. You know right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> so how do we practice getting out of shame? Mm. We've, we've discussed shame. Shame yeah. is that internalization of it's me. Yep. I am unlovable. I am the one that is wrong. I am the one who's fucking up. I am the, the soul issue here, which Mm -hmm. is a lie because again, shame thrives in the secrecy, silence and judgment. I thought it was judgment, but I was like, well, I'm going to double check and make sure it's judgment. So it thrives in those moments, right? So how do we get out of it or how do we have less of it? Right? Because shame is the most widely experienced emotion amongst Mm -hmm. humans Mm -hmm. and the least talked about which I think is as a therapist, definitely understand why as a human being, I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Mind blown. So Brene Brown in the gifts of imperfection talks about four elements that people have for an increased shame resilience, meaning that they can handle tolerate shame without armoring up and um, becoming defensive or leaving the conversation. Mm -hmm. Right? So the first one, They understand shame and recognize the messages and expectations that trigger shame for them. So whether it be body image, whether it be, um, you know, poor performance at work, whether whatever it may be, they recognize those triggers for themselves and are able to understand this is a point for me that I am uncomfortable in, but just because I am uncomfortable doesn't mean I need to internalize that it's my fucking problem. Yep. Make sense? Yeah. 
Two, they practice critical awareness by reality checking the messages and expectations that tell us being imperfect means we are inadequate. Cognitive errors 101. Please yeah. refer to the previous episode on cognitive errors in case you need to check yourself. I was going to say, check the facts. Yep. Check the facts. Give me facts that prove that this is true. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. Shit. Three, they share their story with people they trust. Case in point. Yeah. What we've been doing. Because I will tell you this. In the reflection of being a mom and how I was then versus how I am now and having shared it on here, it, it seems smaller, right? Like sure. it used to feel like this glaring issue of like, you can't take that back. You can't mm-hmm. reverse that. You can't go back in time. But every time that I talk about it and call attention to it and forgive myself for not showing up in the way that I wanted to, it gets smaller. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. And four, four. I was like, (laughs) can you see my other hand or finger Four. my other hand? I have three hands. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. Shout Sorry. Things pop into my head and I have to say them out loud. Otherwise (laughs) they just keep playing. Okay. Four. They use verbiage of shame. They talk about what they're feeling and they ask for what they need. So they call attention to shame. They say, I am feeling shameful right now. I am internalizing this. This is a cognitive error. They call it out. They don't Mm -hmm. just pretend that it's not happening and they allow that thought spiral to happen. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to go zero to a hundred real fucking fast. Quickly. Yeah. Yes. Quickly. So. Hopefully we have been able to lay out for you what shame is. We've discussed a little bit about people who are able to not operate in shame or at least call attention to it, the the resilience strategies they have. I think the most important thing that you need to know about shame, aside from it being an internalizing thought process, is that when you share your story with people you trust that shame dies because you take your power back yes you're no longer letting it consume you right and take Mm -hmm. over your soul basically you're saying no I'm going to call attention to this because this is important and I want to work through this just like anything else recognizing Mm -hmm. triggers is like rule number one for anything that I teach anybody Mm -hmm. let's figure out what's setting you off so we can figure out how to deter that or cope with it in that moment Mm -hmm. yeah so now I'm going to be nervous until this um, airs. Why? <laughs> no, I won't. I'll be fine. I was like, this was beautiful. This was no, a beautiful was a moment of vulnerability. It was a beautiful moment for you to share your story and for you to get validation and recognition that it wasn't you. Like, that's not you. You were a child. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck if there's a teen in your age. You were a child and he was inappropriate to the max. Yes. And that's not your shit to pick up. Nope. We don't need to internalize. Like if I had dressed differently, if I had been differently, if I had worn something like you can't handle or help not handle help the body that you were given. 
You know, what's so weird is I remember the outfit I was wearing when he made that comment about my sweater. It was a Winnie the Pooh sweater. Like, you're disgusting. could you be any more gross? Tell me you're a fucking pedophile without <laughs> telling me you're a pedophile. You be I remember the outfit. Like, I can see myself sitting in the chair. Ugh. Yeah, gross. The patriarchy runs deep with that one. Yuck. Mm-hmm. I descend. <laughs> RBG. Anyways, you can find us at Rewriting Her Story Podcast on Instagram and also on YouTube. You can find Steph at SpookyFitMom13. You can find me at BEA underscore XO11. Yeah. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or you want to share your story, please email us. I was literally us. just going to say, if you want to share your story, like you share your story, email us. To. This mm-hmm. is a safe place. You are welcome here. You are recognized. There is always a place at our table. Please, yep. if there is something that you want to share and or get off of your chest, we are absolutely here. Mm-hmm. 100%. So Yes, yes. It's a happy one. Get some self-care in, girl. Get some self-care and play, some, play a fun song. Probably going to watch a horror movie after this. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh I'm going to eat some cheese. <laughs> I'm going to have some cheese and water. Oh. That's what's going to be better. <laughs> just kidding. I, I feel good. I, like I said, like the first time that I shared that on here and like called attention to it, I was really fucking nervous and really sure. like, oh my God. And like, now this is what the fourth or fifth time. And I'm like, I feel good. Right. I feel heard. I feel seen. Good. And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. I mean, no, I know. absolutely in my whole heart. I feel seen. 100%. So we love you guys until next time, which will not be episode 36. It'll be episode 37 because we've already recorded episode 36. Until then, we have no idea what it's going to be, but we know it's going to be good. Always. Okay. All right, guys. Good day. Good day.